0: Please grab your Bible and turn with me to Psalms 91. Psalms 91. The Psalms have gained prominence among Christians since the rise of COVID 19. And Psalms 91 has been particularly popular. And of course, this is very understandable given that it speaks of how God will save you from the deadly pestilence, deadly disease and the assurance that pestilence and plague will not come near you. And is brimming with declaration and promises of God's protection. And during this time of global pandemic, with COVID-19, this psalm speaks of God's presence, speaks of God's power, speaks of God's protection against fear. And I cannot tell you how many times i receive uh, messages about Psalms 91, uh, reading through it and covering over yourself as if it is some kind of immunity when you memorize it and pronounce it and recite it every day. So I want to address this uh, topic and give you a balanced view on God's protection and God's safetiness. So, But I want to read to you the entire Psalm first, Psalms 91. So Psalms 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fouler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your sight, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will not only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, then no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation." It's very comforting as you look, especially the uh, two verses. The very first two verses itself, we are told exactly who God is. And hidden in plain sight are four of God's powerful names mentioned in verse 1 and 2. The Most High, the Almighty, the Lord, and my God. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, which in Hebrew means El Elyon, he will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, which is El Shaddai. I will say of the Lord, which is translated as Yahweh, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, my God comes from the Hebrew word elohim so it is beautiful to say that this god is going to protect you doesn't matter what the circumstances may be but how are we to interpret such claims in the psalms because the reality is there are many many Christians who died of covid there are many great Christians leaders who died of covid does this psalm not, doesn't apply to them does it not include them as the believers or uh, I heard back in uh, March last year the biggest church the largest church in Singapore uh, the mega church pastor Joseph Prince which have gained prominence across the globe his building his church building costs 500 million dollars can you believe that he includes a shopping complex and all that and he made a very bold announcement. While preaching Psalms 91, he promised the protection of COVID-19 over his entire church in Singapore. And his bold claim was, we are completely protected because of Psalms 91. And so people use Psalms 91 during times of pandemic with the notion that its use will ultimately save them and their loved ones. However, many get disappointed, particularly when they lose their loved ones despite using the Psalms. And I don't know whether anyone from his church, Joseph Prince Church, actually died of COVID in Singapore. I don't know, despite of the pronouncements of, of that they, they are completely protected. And uh, this had caused many to lose their faith or wondering what's wrong with them if they are not protected by God. But of course, it is worthwhile for Christians to know that beyond the promise of deliverance, as stated in Psalms 91, there is an everlasting protection promised by God. This is the ultimate deliverance that will ensure we escape the eternal separation that will come upon the world on the last day. So what I want to do is, did you know that when when? In, some, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus went through the temptation, uh, the devil came along and asked Jesus. One of the three questions he asked Jesus was uh, the second one that he, he, the devil took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And then he said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, why don't you throw yourself down? For it is written, and then now the devil, the Satan, start quoting Psalms 91 verse 11. He said, why don't you throw yourself down from this building? Because, Psalms 91, he didn't say Psalms 91, because it is written that he will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So the devil, Satan, was actually tempting Jesus and said, why don't you jump yourself down? Because it's promised in Psalms 91 that that someone will, will protect you. You will not strike your foot against a stone. Basically, Satan was telling Jesus, don't go to the cross. Don't suffer. If God really, really loves you, He wouldn't let you suffer. That's what Psalms 91 says. You know, you see how brilliant the devil is. Look at the strategy. If the devil can get a Christian to believe now that I'm a Christian Christian, God will not let any big, bit or bad things happen to me. He may allow some minor battle, but in general, nothing major will happen to me because I'm the child of God. If you believe that, then you are going to pull back from God if something really bad happened to you. Because you're beginning to doubt whether or not Psalms 91 really, really is what the promise that God made. You're going to say that the promise of Psalms 91 didn't work, and that is exactly what Satan wants you to believe. Because Satan knows that if you take, if you only take these Psalms at face value, you are going to become confused and deeply disappointed and will probably pull back from God, which is what many people have done, not necessarily in the event of COVID. could be any crisis, suffering, problem, cancer, bankruptcy, uh, but Jesus understood. However, the Psalms ninety-one doesn't offer an absolute promise to be declared or assumed, and so he responded to Satan by saying, by quoting Deuteronomy chapter six, verse sixteen: "Do not put the Lord your God to the test." So, how should we look at Psalms ninety-one then? What I want to do for the remaining time that I have is to give you a more balanced view, more. Uh, I would say, a more biblical view in terms of God's protection and how you are saved in the arms of God. Because there's an important principle in Bible interpretation. You interpret certain Bible passages in light of the rest of what the Bible says. In fact, this is where a lot of false doctrines get started, holding one passage in isolation from the others. Is what Satan tried to do, to interpret these Psalms apart from the rest of the Bible. And we must not expound one place of Scripture that is repugnant to another. You cannot take a portion of Scripture and read it in such a way that is in complete contradiction to another Scripture text. For example, in Colossians chapter 3, it talks about you must obey your parents in everything. What if your parents ask you to do something that is completely evil? What do you do? And how about Romans chapter 13 talks about obey the government. But we also have passages in in the book of Daniel that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel themselves refuse to bow down to the, the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has erected for himself. So we should... Look at scripture in its entirety, and and so this is what I want to do. I want to look at three other passages in the Bible, and then we will have a clearer picture as we endeavor to answer this question: What do you mean by God will keep you safe? What does it mean that God will keep you safe? So the first text that I want to first text that I want to refer to. Is uh, Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty. It is very common passage that we are all aware of. It's the story of Joseph towards the end of his life. That uh, he told his brothers that you intended it for, sorry, you intended to harm me looking back his his entire situation he was he became he was thrown into slavery, he went to prison and all that kind of stuff he told his brother well you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives And so Joseph we know the story of Joseph he was slow, sold into slavery and then he, he was imprisoned, he was betrayed, he was accused of, he was all kinds of things happened to him. But now as he looked back of his entirety of his life, on a hindsight now, he's able to say, Whatever actually happened to me, yes, you may play a part, you intended to harm me because you you were jealous, because Jacob was especially treated me with special favor. You intended to harm me. You intended to get rid of me. But now I look at the whole picture of it, what has been achieved, I can say with great confidence, while while you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. So God was actually keeping me safe, Joseph was saying, when He sold me to slavery. God was actually keeping me safe when He kept me in the dungeons, In hindsight, He was keeping safe, but in a moment, it didn't look like that. But now that I look back over the big picture of it, I look back all my life, I realize that God's hand has always been it, and each moment of, a, of my life, He has kept me safe, despite all of the crises that He has to uh, accept and endure. At that time, He might not seem like He was in the protection hand of God, but now as you look back, he can say that God is in the picture. God saved him, and God kept him safe right throughout, so that many wonderful things can come out of it. So that's the first text or the balanced view of that. The second text that I want to refer to, again is a very common verse that we all are familiar with if you have been a Christian for a long time, and that is Romans 8 verse 28 but I also realized that all these familiar verses that we all knew sometimes we don't really pay too much attention to it thinking that we already knew that verse so well Romans 828 actually reads, and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good all things work together for for good. It didn't say all things are good, but all things work together for good. Some things are bad. No matter how, which angle you try to look at it, some things are really, really bad. And no matter how you look at it, it is still bad. But Romans 8.28 actually says that God is working all things together for good. Work together for good does not mean that bad things are really good things in disguise. It means that God takes genuinely bad things and brings His power to bear in them so that they were better off for them having happened. It means that from the vintage point of eternity, we will be able to see how God exercises His power in such a perfect way that all the evil that happened will, in the end, only lead to greater glory for God and greater joy for us. I mean, that's the ultimate defeat of evil, isn't it? That the, the evil that it was meant to be evil, that God was able somehow to use this evil that's inflicted on humanity to use it to further his great cause. So, all evil deeds ultimately accomplish the reverse of what their authors intended. And that to me is the ultimate defeat of the devil, of, of evil in that sense. We see Glimpses of this right throughout Scripture. For example, in the book of Acts, all of Satan's attack on the church lead instead to the spread of the gospel. It's like he's he's trying to storm out a fire that only spreads it. So God allows, God worked through all this persecution for the furtherings of the gospel message to other parts of the world. And of course, we see it most clearly where, in the cross. At the cross on the cross, that was where Satan and evil people did their worst. And yet, at the same time, God turned even that around for our salvation. And so, believer, we can assure that God is doing the same thing with whatever things that we may be struggling with. This verse said, Together, God will work out something good. He will use everything to fulfill His ultimate will. Everything will move to its ultimate ultimate end, sovereignly and safely in the hands of God. Where bad things happen, it's bad, really bad. No matter how you look at it, it is bad, evil, terrible and God is still able to use it all to map out and move towards His ultimate will to be fulfilled in the universe. I don't know whether you heard of this story about a little bird. This story comes from America. This little bird flying south for the winter. But he got a late start, so he got caught in a snow storm. And the storm was so bad that the ice formed on his wings and he couldn't even fly. He went down for a crash landing and couldn't get back up. He thought, well, great, now I'm going to freeze to death here. But then suddenly a cow came and pulled on him. At first, the little bird thought that he had gone from bad to worse. But then he realized that the manure had warmed his wings and was thawing them. They was thawing them. He was so excited that he started to chip and sink. But this attracted a cat who came along and ate him. You know, you can learn three lessons about your life from this story. Number one, not everyone who drops manure on you is your enemy. Number two, not everyone who digs you out is your friend. And lesson number three when you are in manure, sometimes it's helpful to keep your little triple shot and just wait it out because God may be up to something that is awesome. God works together, all things for good. And we believers are part of that. We must see our life as part of that. That even though we are going through suffering, trials, God is using that, using that to further His kingdom work here on earth in forms that is beyond our comprehension. So that is the second text that I want to bring to you to balance up what is to, to just unpack what it means by God will keep you safe. Thirdly, which is a very interesting text in Luke chapter 21. Here in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is telling his disciples, warning his disciples that they will be persecuted and bad things will be happening to them. But Jesus promised them that he will stand by them and keep them safe. And Luke chapter 21, verses 16 to 19 says this. He said, You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all of my namesake. But not a hair of your head will perish. But your endurance, but your endurance, by your endurance, sorry, you will gain your lives. Strange, isn't it? Jesus was warning His disciples that some of you actually will be put to death. And yet, at the same time, He said, but not a hair of your head will perish. How does it happen? What does it actually mean by, by, by saying that some of you will be put to death, and yet at the same time, but not a hair of your head will perish? This seems so contradicting. And by your endurance, you will gain your lives. It must be pushing something that is beyond, isn't it? It's not just your physical danger. It must be moving towards something that is ultimately our inner life, our soul, the safety. You know, if you want to talk about being safe, if there's anything in your life that that you and I place more important than God, whether that be our career, whether that be our career, Money in the bank, whether that would be our son or daughters or or the love of our lives, if we can place them, if we ever place them before God, then let me assure you that you will never be safe. You'll never be safe. S-A-F-E. Because the minute that thing has been removed from you, you lost it. The most important thing in your life is taken away from you, you will lose it. You will start to step in. You will lose your life. You'll lose meaning of life. Lost your purpose of life. Circumstances will come and threaten the very thing that you and I cherish the most. And then we will lapse into disappointment, into depression, into a sense of meaninglessness. And and unless that our allegiance and our main focus our priority, our utmost important person in our lives is God, then we will always be safe. Then all these circumstances will never, never be able to take that away from you. We are not protected from trouble. Not even in trouble, but through trouble. Look at the story of uh, those who have done uh, KYB. We've been looking at the book of Daniel. Look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. God allowed them to be thrown into the burning furnace. Why didn't God protect them by not allowing them to go to the, into the burning furnace? He did not protect them from, but He protected them in the furnace. How about the uh, chapter 6, Daniel himself? He was not protected from being thrown into the lion's den, but he was protected while in the lion's den. And the only certainty that you are protected and safe is Here in the analogy of Psalms 91, in verse 4, it says that he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. The image of a mother bird covering the children, covering his cheeks, is not only the image that we see in Psalms 91, but it is also used when Jesus entered Jerusalem on the final week. Triumphant entry, entered Jerusalem. And in Matthew chapter 23, he looked back into the city up on a hill. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and you who stoned those sent to you. He said, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hand gathers her cheeks under her wings. And you were not willing. The motherbird image is shielding and protecting. And that is what Jesus did on the cross. He took what you and I deserve for our sins so that you can know for certainty that we are not punished for our sins. We have been kept safe no matter what happens. So being Psalms 91, and then look at the entirety of the Scripture, k- k- being kept safe does not mean to say that there will be no trouble. does not mean to say that you will be forever be free from any form of sickness or health or any crisis, any trials. Being saved from a Christian anger, biblically, is not that. It is not that. If you were to move down to verse Uh, 15 and 16, towards the end of Psalms 91, it becomes clearer. It says here, He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. You're in trouble. God is saying, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. He's not talking, the long life, he's not simply, he's not talking about simply adding pain-free years to our lives. It's not about pain-free life. He just mentioned that I will be with you in troubles. So the long life, God is not promising us, that he's going to add pain-free years' life to us. He's talking, I believe, about adding despair-free life to our years. So can I just repeat that again? He's not talking about adding pain-free years to our lives. He's talking about adding despair-free life to our years. That as we go through life, there will be crisis. There will be troubles. There will be problems. But God is going to sustain us. God is going to see us through. God is going to use everything, even through our crisis, through our issues, whatever that may be, to further His work in the ultimate grand Weaver, there's a book called The Grand Weaver. God is the grand weaver, looking at everything, weaving everything. The small little thing happened, whatever that may be, is weaving something beautiful out of it. So the last two verses of Psalms 91 summarize the aim for God's protection, and that is to save us eternally. God has made provision for the greatest rescue and honor. There remains a sure guarantee to satisfy us with everlasting life and show us His salvation. While there are many testimonies of recitation and meditation on Psalms 91 and perhaps recovering from sickness, the Psalms apply to ultimate victory, ultimate recovery, and that is salvation. I don't know whether you have read of this book, written by Elizabeth T- uh, Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of the late Jim Elliot, which was a famous missionary that we heard about, the five young missionaries that were slain on the beaches of Ecuador in the 1950s. And interestingly, he wrote this book, and, he, and she titled this book, Shadow of the Almighty, using Psalms 91. Uh, content and and used that verse in verse 1 as the title of her book, Shadow of the Almighty. The title is is ironic, isn't it? When you think about the fact that Jim Elliot was literally pierced through the heart with a spear and killed, which is something Psalms 91 promises won't happen. She called her book Shadow of the Almighty because she was utterly convinced that the refuge of the people of God is not a refuge from suffering and death, but a refuge through it and a refuge from final and ultimate defeat. Indestructible. 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 In the book, uh, Jim Elliot uh, quote, I am immortal until my work on earth is done. I will always be immortal until my work on earth is done. And so here you go. I hope I I have given you a better and proper, a balanced perspective of what being saved means in Scripture. That is not that nothing will happen to us as believers because the reality is that we have struggles. We have pain. There are many Christians who died of cancer, have loved one that's met accident and taken away from them. Many things. And some died from COVID. Many. We can pray for God's protection. We do. But biblically speaking, from that angle, that as you look in the entirety of the Scripture, that... The safe, being safe, protective, protection of God is not just only in terms of our physical side of it all. A refuge through it. It's not a refuge from suffering and death, but a refuge through it and a refuge from final and ultimate defeat. And that is the biblical understanding of safe. So that you and I who believes in God when we go through our life, when we walk with the Lord, when we encounter problems, when we have pain, when we have suffering, when we have illness and all that, we don't have to doubt our faith. We don't have to think that we have done something wrong, that God is not blessing us, that God is not looking after us. We must be, have some terrible things in us that God is punishing us. We don't have to think that way. Some of the greatest men of God that I know go through tremendous amount of pain and suffering in their lives. So when we face life-threatening situations such as the COVID-19 pandemic, we can rest assured that for those who dwell under the shadow of the Almighty God, there will be deliverance and recovery whether in life or in death. And the comfort in Psalms 91, is not a long, trouble-free pandemic, free life on this present earth, but assurance that those who receive the Lordship of Christ will ultimately be saved in the arms of God. Let me finish with this quote by Timothy Keller, the New York uh, minister. He said, the the gospel does not promise you better life circumstances. It promises you a better life. Strike off the word circumstances. The gospel does not promise you better life circumstances. But the gospel promises you a better life in whatever form it may take. God is our refuge, our strength, our ever present help in times of need, not just only in our present life, but more importantly, safe and secure in our future life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful psalm of great assurance of your protection upon us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God in whom I trust. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you, that Lord. Uh, What a joy to know you. What a greatest joy is to know you as our Savior and Lord. And when we accept you as our Savior and Lord, we will live our life differently now. We are under the rule of a king sitting on the throne of our heart. We have a mission. We live life meaningfully, purposefully, because we want to do your will. That's what really matters now when we live on earth. We want to do your will. Whatever form it may take, It really doesn't matter so long as we are doing your will. No genuine Christian or any sound, mature Christian would deliberately want to choose suffering. But if suffering is doing your will, then that is. That's what really matters. That is sufficient. Because what matters is doing your will. Well, we now serve a new king, our, our king. And we take order from this king. So we thank you, Lord. Gives us strength to, to be strong. Help us never to be fearful because our lives is in your hand. Whatever is ahead of us, we know that you will go ahead of us. We have nothing to fear. We only know that you are with us. And that is sufficient. Give us courage in this uh, time of uh, crisis to shine for you, to bear good testimony by not whinging, by not complaining, by not displaying any form of fearfulness in our lives. Uh, we trust in a God, and therefore we are your representative. As uh, Pastor Kenola reminded us, we represent the gospel. We represent you, and therefore we have this confidence. And that is the testimony. That is the gospel message live out in a person that people may see Christ in us. Thank you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have a closing song to sing, and then maybe five minutes break, and we ask you to quickly go and lock on. We'll just uh, have the general meeting very soon. Let's sing Outrageous Grace.